0: everything that I did in my life was getting out of my comfort zone. And I had to force myself to do that, but after I did it a couple of times, I noticed that good things happen when you're out of your comfort zone.
1: Welcome to Latitude the show for freelancers, founders, and creators about all of the non-business parts of running a successful business. I interview folks who are defining work for themselves. We look at the mindset and methods it takes to create the latitude you need to do your most creative work. Today, I'm talking with Moitza Jove. Moitza runs Super Spicy Media, a course in consulting business focused exclusively on Facebook ads. Recently, Moitza has been putting more and more time and effort towards her course, The Science of Facebook Ads, so we'll talk about how she's made the transition from full-time work to consulting to products. And more importantly, we'll look at how to manage the expectations and move forward when those transitions don't go as planned. Awesome, so I'm so excited to talk to you today, Moitza, um, just to kind of kick it at off a little bit. Why don't you kind of tell folks what you are doing now and then we'll kind of jump back into sort of how you got there.
0: Yeah. So right now I'm actually doing a transition from hands-on client work to selling educational products and trainings. And, um, it's been a really, really long process that I'm sure that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but, Yeah, I've been I've been mostly working on my video course at the moment. All and besides that, I'm recording a series called Changing Gears, where I talk about that process. So what has the process or that transition? What's that been like? What am I going through? What am I implementing? Um, What am I emotionally experiencing? So that's been really, really interesting.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And so I'm definitely really excited to talk to you. Um, I've also kind of done some course stuff and especially with changing gears, which I'll link in the show notes. um, It's just like a really candid, really open um, kind of conversational series talking about like why you're doing this, um, kind of how you're doing it and all of kind of the like the challenges you're facing. Um, And so I just really kind of appreciate how open you've been with that And another reason I'm kind of excited to talk to you is um, I think we had a fairly similar start to our journeys towards kind of building our own businesses. I know that kind of you were let go from a full time job that led to your client business um, and pretty much the same thing had happened to me. Um, So I'm curious when you kind of were let go from that job, was that something that you were already thinking about to kind of start creating your own business?
0: Yeah, so I've always been really independent or I wanted to be independent and I started working or working for money when I was 15 and I started by um I wanted to be a journalist back then and I started to write articles for a local newspaper and then kind of transitioned to a national newspaper and to a radio station and so on. So even when I had that regular job, and I was working at the advertising agency, I was thinking about going on my own. However, I wasn't really sure how to do that. I wasn't sure if it's going to be successful. Um, I was, I think, about 21, 22 years old back then. And I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to go um, in the direction that I wanted to go. I wanted to try it, but getting fired from that job was definitely the kick that I needed because without being fired... I don't know if I would ever do that. Um, So and then naturally after getting fired, um, I established my own agency and started doing social media strategies at first. And now I'm specialized in Facebook advertising. So that was that that was the push that I needed. And I wouldn't be here otherwise.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and that sounds like very similar to my story. I like I was enjoying what I was doing, but also it like it started to kind of mean less to me. And I had kind of like become a little checked out, but like didn't really know like what the next step was. I didn't have kind of like I was thinking about leaving, but didn't really have any concrete plans. And then like obviously when that happens, like for me, it kind of ended up being like the best thing ever. And it sounded like it was like a great thing for you too. But like at the time for me, like it was hard like that like that sucks um and so i'm curious what was kind of like your thought process like as that happened and then kind of like moving forward from that
0: yeah so even though i was thinking about going on my own i was still shocked when it happened or at least when they gave me that push i was like okay i wasn't expecting this to happen so soon and day 1 it was a shock and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to feel. Um, So I went home and I um, drank a glass of wine to treat myself. Um, The next thing I did was I just started writing a personal blog or I uh, I was already writing it, but I wrote like a lengthy blog post on how I just lost my job and how I'm going to start doing something on my own. And that essentially... Led to me creating the agency. Um, so on day one, I was I felt sorry for myself. Day two, I was really energized with the freedom that I had that that I suddenly had uh, the freedom of making whatever choice I wanted. Even if I wanted to go back to a regular job, I could still do it. Um, but I had the freedom to try on something new. I gave myself a deadline, and I was really actually excited to start working on that. So like I said, on day two, I was already up and going, I was buying a domain, establishing a website, started writing blog posts about social media, because I knew what I wanted to do. Um, and that's how essentially I got started.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, like, even for me, too, it was definitely like, that first day it was like, Oh, well, th- like, this sucks. But this then sucks. like, after, yeah. after you think about it, it's like, okay, like, I wasn't super happy where I was already. Like this was yeah. kind of the push I needed. Um, yeah. So for me, yeah, I ended up, I actually ended up kind of going up to Alaska for a summer oh, wow. and just like, yeah, just like doing, a, um, essentially like a minimum wage job at a hotel, but it meant I got to like play outside all the time. Um, I was like, okay, I'll like go back to like whatever I decide to do after that. Um, And then I ended up getting like one freelance client while I was up there. Um, And now here we are like a handful of years later and I haven't had another full time job since. But um, yeah, so what so kind of going into starting that the agency kind of talk about that process a little bit.
0: Yeah, it was really complicated because, again, I had no experience in that field. I was always um, employed, so I was always working at a job. Uh, watching other people do it. I didn't know any of the organizational part of it. Like, what do I do now? How do you establish a company? Um, How do you pay taxes? I didn't know any of that. So I had to learn very, very quickly. Um, However, I got to speed very quick because of that, like I said, that energy that I had, because I really wanted to make it work. So The first thing I needed to do was establish a company. The second thing was naturally because like previously you're used to the nine to five job. So you're used to waking up in the morning, going to an office, working there, coming back home. Um, I don't know, watching TV, going to bed. That was it. Um, Then I was suddenly working from home. And one of the things that I really struggled with was essentially how to plan my day and how to work, so I'm productive, and that I can. I still needed to do things at home. So, for example, do the laundry, do the dishes, everything that comes with it. So it was suddenly just a complete shift into how in in how my day actually looked like. Um, and it took a while for me to get to a point where I now have. My day planned in advance. I have a routine that I follow. A routine that I discovered, um, like where my productivity peaks are or creativity picks are. Um, so that's that's like it was. It was definitely a long process, um, but I somehow got it working. I think mm-hmm. it was more more or less. It was just you know A B testing of different <laughs> things. <laughs> so does this work better? Does this work better? Um, it takes a while, but. Like I didn't give up and it got me to a point where I'm now. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and I think, again, kind of like that was similar for me where it's like I had, I guess, like the skills to like do good design work. um, Yeah. But I definitely didn't have the skills to like manage myself and finding that routine is it is it's totally a process um yeah and it's like so easy to kind of like know that you're supposed to be doing all these different things um yeah but discovering how it works for you um and so you mentioned kind of recently on Twitter that you have your create your like creative peaks in the evening. So how do you kind of structure your day around
0: that? So my my I think my productivity is a little bit different. I'm really productive when I start working. So I do the most boring things that I wouldn't want to do in the evening. I do them uh, in the afternoon when I start working, and then I reserve um, my evenings now for more creative work. So I don't try to plan anything in the evening, like answering emails or writing blog posts. But I kind of reserve those evenings for any kind of creative work that I feel like doing, whether that's design or, um, I don't know, writing something. Um, so it's, it's again, it's such like an a process of A-B testing different things. Um, and i'm still i'm still learning a, a lot about myself and about my day and I think that we as people change as well so um I've kind of restructured my days uh, i re- i restructure them probably every six months because i don't know i just feel different or maybe i would like to try something else and that actually works and it's same with uh, creativity for me recently um where I started noticing like i like you said i get creative in the evening and it's all about kind of adjusting my whole day to um, treat creativity as a priority in the evening.
1: And so then kind of one challenge that I've faced is like um when I am kind of trying to do like focused creative work in the evening, um, it's then kind of like hard to turn off that when you like close the computer and like now you're at home and you were like at home a second ago. Um, So yeah. do you have kind of some way to manage that?
0: So, to be completely honest, I really, really struggled with that about a year and a half ago. and that essentially led to my burnout because I was always working. I was always on my computer. Um, for example, i um I work from let's say one pm to eight pm and then I uh, get uh, go get some dinner. And what I previously did was when I was finished eating, I went behind my computer and worked until midnight and I finished my day at midnight and went straight to bed. So straight from the office, kind of like straight into bed. And that essentially led to my burnout because first of all, I wasn't able to sleep Um, because my mind was just constantly going. Um, Second of all, um, it was very hard for me to even quit my work at midnight. So sometimes I kind of extended that time to, let's say uh, 1 a.m. or 1.30 a.m. So what I now do is I have like a turn off button. So at 8 p.m., typically... I stop working. So I turn off my computer. I don't enter my home office anymore even because it just, everything reminds me of work. So I stop working, I get myself dinner and then I read, um, at, in, in the evenings I read or uh, draw, for example, or learn something. So it's more about like treating my brain and my soul than doing actual work. But it's all been really, again, a part of the process and especially now when i'm discovering that i have my creativity peaks in the evening it's all about still finishing my work at 8 p.m. but if i feel if i'm if i get an idea at 8 p.m. i'm not just going to brush it away but i always have my notepad with me i write it down but i leave it for tomorrow so i kind of cater to my brain because i write that thing down not to forget and i can kind of just refresh my brain and say, you know what, that's written down, I don't need to think about it. And I can go to sleep and I can sleep. Um, so that's essentially been the process that I've been going through recently.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's like, so important to just to have that process of like, getting those things out of your head. Um, and like knowing they're still going to be there um, when you kind of need to recall it again. So I think that's super interesting.
0: Another thing that I do, maybe maybe it'll help any any listeners. So I think that even with Getting things out of my head every evening if something comes up, um, some things still get kind of uh, still collect in my brain. And then at the end of the week, I have like a, a brain dump every Friday where I write everything, everything that I'm thinking about, everything that's on my brain. I just write it down. No format. I don't try to, it's just bullet points of things. And that essentially really helps me to relax. Because I know everything is written down. I can always come back to it. I can always refer back to it. What was that idea that I had that day? It's going to be there. Um, And that's been really helpful in this process.
1: Now, before we jump into the next question, I want to pause for a minute and talk a bit about Podia. Podia is a platform for creating and hosting online courses, digital downloads, and memberships. More than that, though, Podia is a company that believes in and supports creators, they don't just build course software, they really enable people like us to do the work we love. I'm a longtime time Podia user, along with a few of the guests on the show. My Podia course has directly led to thousands of email subscribers and five figures in revenue. As a designer, I definitely have a tendency of tweaking and perfecting everything, but most of the time that's not what actually makes a difference. Podia makes it easy to focus on creating content that's useful and valuable, rather than getting distracted by design edits or a long technical setup process. It doesn't matter if you're an expert developer or creating your first ever digital product. Podia makes it fast and easy to create something that not only looks good, but converts well. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably working on creating something. Whether that's an app, a course, or an entirely new business, creating something out of nothing is hard, but Podia makes creation a little bit easier. They're offering 15% off for life to listeners of the Latitude podcast. To get your discount or to just learn a bit more... Go to podia.com/ slash latitude, or there's a link in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the interview. And so then kind of another aspect that um, a lot of folks that I've talked to so far have kind of found helpful is um, it's kind of showed up in different ways, either like in accountability or coaching or just like kind of having a group of people around you. Um, And so going back to when you were kind of growing the client business, I know you were kind of in a mastermind with Brennan Dunn and Kai Davis and some of those folks. Um, But you mentioned on another show that you were kind of like initially not sure about joining that. Um, And I'm curious kind of what was like the concern or the hesitation behind
0: that? First of all, it was definitely like I was new to that world. Um, I didn't know anyone. And it was intimidating for me. I, I, so I was always admiring, for example, Brennan Dunn and Jonathan Stark and Kai Davis from a distance. But then when I got invited to their group, I was like, Whoa, um, it was, it was, it was a big thing. So I kind of struggled to join, but then after I joined, I just saw the benefits of having a similar minded group of people to talk to and to help you, Um, essentially, I actually, um, I'm I'm not in that master or I'm not active in that master mastermind anymore, because um, I started to work on a lot of different things. And I just didn't have the time for those regular meetups anymore. However, I do have to admit that for the last month, I started noticing that I miss that. So because I work from home, um, I don't really interact with other people. So I don't have people in my office. Uh, because I work for my own company for myself, I don't even have co workers on Slack that I could talk to. And I really miss that people aspect. And that like just interactions that happen, like maybe you give someone an advice, maybe you ask for an advice. Um, so now I'm kind of trying to find my own tribe again, or at least people that I can connect to on a weekly or a monthly basis, people that I can talk to. So it doesn't, so I don't get lonely, so to speak.
1: Well, and so, I mean, I think we kind of touched on the sort of like community aspect of it, Um, but it also sounds like a big part of that for you was kind of like getting out of your comfort zone Um, and that probably had a big aspect of like kind of the success that you saw with that client business.
0: Everything that I did in my life was getting out of my comfort zone and I had to force myself to do that but after I did it a couple of times I noticed that good things happen when you're out of your comfort zone, um, like establishing my business was getting out of my comfort zone. Joining that mastermind was getting out of my comfort zone again, because for example, another thing that I struggled with was that English is not my first la- it's not my native language. So I always struggle with the fact like, what will people think about me when I stumble, for example, or when I can't find the right words, will will they think less of me? So like, but I still got out of my comfort zone and decided, you know what, I want to run my business internationally. I want to have international clients and I'm going to do that. So I think getting out of your comfort zone definitely plays a vital role when it comes to your business growth and maybe discovering things about yourself that you didn't know before.
1: That kind of continued to grow. Um, it got to a point where you're making like pretty consistently over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, but then it kind of turned into something that you were like less passionate about. Um, and so then how did you kind of like discover that and how did you move forward from that?
0: I had a really good life and I, I mean, I still do, but back then, I mean, everything is was going so smoothly. I didn't need to look for clients. I know that a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with that. But like a lot of people need to search for clients actively. Luckily, I was in a position where clients actually came to me, they wrote to me, I got a lot of emails saying I want to work with you. So I didn't need to actively look for clients and life was good. However, after experiencing that burnout, um, Actually, before experiencing that burnout, I was working with 10 clients at the same time. And I was just so incredibly overwhelmed. I burnt out, took a week off, completely off technology, off my phone, off my computer, nothing. And I just, I I reserved time for reading and for thinking. That was it. And after that week, I realized that I don't really like client work anymore. Um, I wasn't in it. Like, I, I didn't establish my business for the just for the money. I, I'm not doing this just for the money. But, like, the first goal that I wanted to reach or the kind, kind of the dream that I have was to be free and to enjoy in what I do. And with client work, that just wasn't happening. So I wasn't enjoying my work. I hated myself. Every time I woke up, I was like, oh, I have to do this again. And I didn't establish my business. In order to feel that way, I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So after that burnout, um, I decided, you know what? I don't want to do client work anymore um, because I'm not, I I don't like it. And I also uh, realized, I got to a point where I realized it's not really scalable. It's scalable if right now I would hire someone and I did try that. So I did hire um, a Facebook ads expert to work alongside of me, but it didn't really feel good. So, it wasn't what I was looking for. And I discovered that actually, what I really enjoyed doing was creating. So, mm-hmm. even when I had clients, um, I published an ebook. So, I launched an ebook, and that process of launching an ebook, of writing an ebook, of creating something and putting it out into the world, that felt really good. So, that's essentially what got me to a point where I decided, you know what? I'm going to fire most of my clients and just go full on into working mode, into creating mode and start working on products and kind of switch the revenue that I'm doing, that I'm generating with client work. um, And I wanted to make that revenue or earn that revenue with product work only.
1: Mm -hmm. And so for me, like. There are definitely aspects of client work that I do enjoy. Yeah. I like that you can kind of like dive deeper into problems. Um, I like that it is kind of like longer term and more involved potentially. Um, but I, I also agree with kind of what you're saying about like it is like not scalable. Um, it It is like I can help like individuals um, more through products than I can like help corporations more through client work. Um, and so I kind of feel a tension between like knowing I could take on another client and learn, earn like X in whatever amount of time versus kind of this larger unknown of like building courses and things like that. So is that kind of like a challenge that you face as well? Or you're, you've pretty much doubled down on products.
0: So I'm still, it, it, kind of making that transition is really lengthy, um, and it involves a lot of work. So what I was mostly struggling with was how to handle that, because like client work, I generated, um, like I was making at that peak, I was making 13k a month. So for me to make 13k a month with products, I mean, it's going to take A lot of work, I can't do that overnight. So, the one thing that I had to figure out was how to make that transition. So, I decided, even though I decided to fire most of my clients, I decided to keep, like back then, it was two clients that I kept because I wanted to still earn revenue while I'm making that transition. Um, So, I still have a client that I work with while I'm creating products or trying to sell those products. Um, and that's something like that balance is definitely something that I still kind of struggle with, uh, but I'm learning as I go. Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, it sounds like it is sort of finding like the clients that you like enjoy working with or that you like have a, like a process and stuff in place.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's, that's the main thing. Um, even, even, back when I was still, when I still had mostly just, when I was mostly working with clients, my goal was to find clients that I enjoy working with. Um, because if you don't enjoy working with even the clients that you have, I mean, what what's the point even? So right now, the client that I have, I've been working with them, I think now for a year and a half. And like, we, we know each other, we go along very, very well. Um, We trust each other. And I think that's kind of the point, even if you want to make that transition. Um, So yeah, definitely.
1: Um, And then it sounds like there was also kind of, in addition to moving away from like the individual clients, that there was some pushback from like friends and colleagues and other people that kind of didn't think that making that transition was the right approach. So I'm curious how you kind of managed some of that.
0: I think you always get a few doubters, even though like I surround myself with people who typically believe in me. So whatever I do, whatever um, venture I decide to embark upon, they typically stand behind me. However, like you always get people who are like, is this the right thing that you should be doing? Because I mean, let's face it. Mostly the the people that I know, the really like the successful people that I know, a lot of them do client work and they do client work very well. But there aren't a lot of people that would be vastly successful doing just the product work. Um, There are definitely, I mean, there are people, and I surround myself with people who are. But it's it's not something that people would talk about a lot, at least not in my friend zone. So my friends, first of all, like I, I'm from Slovenia. So we're like, we're always a couple of years behind. And even like with with product work, when I told my friends, you know, I want to I'm gonna I make I want to make this transition. They were like, I have never heard of a person who would do client work solely and make six, seven figures a year. Um, so What I do is I try to talk about people who are making good money with products. Uh, Amy Hoy, Alex Hillman, for example, are the ones that I point out the most, like, look how successful they are with their products. And I try to tell them, you know, this is the direction that I want to follow. And I don't really care about what you think because it's (laughs) what I want to do. It's my life. Um, And they're really, really good with it now. So they really support me. They root for me. Um, So I think surrounding yourself with people like that uh, is really important. Um, But that was essentially also one of the processes that I went through when I started doing my business because suddenly I was surrounded with people who were just trying to trip me all the time. When I started Super Spicy Media, I got a lot of people that were saying to me, I also wanted to establish my company, but it things didn't go well. So they're, it's not going to go out well for you either. Good luck with that. So I just try to get rid of those people as politely as possible uh, and surround yourself with people, surround myself with people um, who are going to support me no matter what.
1: Awesome. Well, and so it sounds like um, kind of a big theme that I'm pulling out of that is like you were kind of making your own definition of success. And when that meant kind of starting the client business, that was like client work. And now as it's kind of like developing products, um, then it's sort of shifted. But of course, kind of being able to define your own success is a lot easier when you surround yourself by people that like also support you, like making that decision, basically. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, you, you make a fantastic point there. I think that we each have our own definition of success. You maybe have a different definition of success than I do, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, I don't like, like any kind of definition of success you do have, you still should surround yourself with people who are going to stand behind your back no matter what. Um, so and anyone else that is going to try to like, I'm not ta- constructive criticism or constructive feedback is one thing, but just people not believing in you, that's a totally different thing. Just get rid of those people and you'll be. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and I mean, there are people, there are people that will like totally support your journey and like your goals while being like constructive about it and like having that criticism. And like, that's great. Um, but yeah, it is. It's like something different when it's like um, they d- like they don't want you to kind of take that journey or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, and it happens a lot. It's sad. It does happen a lot. Um, And that's why, like, I think it's so vital to surround yourself with, like you said, people who give constructive feedback um, and you're going to be much better off, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest things that I kind of identified with in the Changing Gears series was how you've kind of felt like an identity shift, almost, moving from like having these clients that like the process is not like automated, but like you understand what you're doing and you know how to do it and you're good at it um, to kind of like being more vulnerable almost in that like product creation. So maybe you can talk a little about that.
0: Absolutely. So to be completely honest, I'm still struggling with that partly. So I've just returned from a five day vacation where I just tried to turn everything off and think about what I'm going through and how I'm going to handle this. But one of the best feedback that I got from Amy was that my identity shouldn't be based around my successes, but based around the person that I am and the things that I know about myself. So for example, she said that In changing gears, I talk about how I opened enrollment to my course and it didn't go as well as I hoped for. So, for example, we were aiming for 5k, and my kind of my sales stopped at 3,900. Um, and I on changing gears. I talked about how that failure, um, actually started or or made a dent into my identity, and I started to think like, Am I even? Good at this, or am I just really not good on an entrepreneur? And Amy talked about like how failures should not define us because failure or how successful you are, um, it does not define you as a person. But what defines you as a person is, for example, I'm a person who is able to pick up after a failure, or I'm a person who's going to uh learn from a failure, so you're not defined by that failure, but what you do after that failure, or after a success. And that's what really resonated with me. And um, I'm now thinking about this or looking at this from a completely different perspective. So my identity shouldn't be based around the things that I do or how successful I am, but what kind of a person I am. So am I able to pick myself up uh, up from the floor? Am I able to work on something that I believe in? And that's essentially who, 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 uh, who I am like I said, I'm still struggling with it, but I'm now thinking and looking at this from a totally different perspective and I now understand it.
1: Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like moving towards finding that identity in like the things that you can control, which is like the work and the effort that you put into it rather than like kind of the outcome or the launch or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what, what she said because like the, when I opened enrollment for my email course, that um my video course that's not something that I can fully control. Whereas how I'm going to react when it does well or when it doesn't do well, that's what I can control. Uh, So basing my identity around the things that I can control, that's the that's the magic. So that that's the winning strategy, essentially.
1: Awesome. Um, and so then, kind of, you mentioned that that launch um, maybe didn't go exactly as planned. Um what have, what, first of all, I guess, what were kind of like, what was the emotional process to get through that? And then kind of secondarily, like the more tactical process?
0: Yeah. So uh, my first reaction to it was like, I'm not going to lie. I was in a bad mood all day long. So um, after I closed enrollment, I just took a day off. So I didn't want to work anymore. Um, I even though I knew that this is something that I'm pursuing on the long run, this is not a short short process. Um, this is essentially investing into my future, into my long-term future. I was still frustrated with the fact that I didn't like win that first relaunch of my video course. So I took a day off um, and I tried to pick myself up kind of the next week by planning what to do next. And what we did first was we went through the launch numbers and essentially, so for for, for example, how many subscribers do I have? How many people purchased? Uh, what's the revenue? What was the open rate of my emails? What was the open rate before that? So we tried to compare um, a couple of data points and we essentially found out that 5K maybe wasn't as realistic as we thought at first because my email list is or was kind of cold. So it it wasn't really cold, but it definitely wasn't warm. Um, So we looked at the numbers again, again and basically set our priorities. So we said, okay, like the first thing that I should do next is start to warm up my email list um, regular emails, regular newsletters, regular blog posts. Uh, I need to reconnect with my audience. So we created kind of a game plan of what to do next in order to, uh, be successful in that transition from client work to product. Um, and like, I have just came from a coaching call with Amy and Alex and kind of my next step, which I'm going to talk about in the next episode as well, um, is to start doing live workshops. Um, So like webinars, but paid um, about a certain topic that people are struggling with when it comes to Facebook ads. Um, So that's essentially what we're doing right now um, because what we discovered as well after the launch was the thing that I was, or I'm still struggling with is, Because that transition is so incredibly long, I didn't really feel good when I wasn't earning money alongside. So I was working on the relaunch of the course. On the relaunch of the course, I opened enrollment, got a little bit of money, but then nothing again. So right now we're working on creating a system that will allow me to earn some product money all the time, every single month whilst they're still working on the course and on like the major things that will, um, come after that.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and I expect too that those, um, kind of paid webinars or whatever will kind of inform any sort of like revisions or updates to the like larger course too.
0: Oh, for sure. Definitely. Um, so we're, we're also working like on, on the funnel and everything that comes with it. So, um, and that, that was again, like part of the post-launch process that we had to go through. Um, but yeah, here's where we're at now.
1: Um, and so then kind of going back to like, it sounds like you've kind of planned out where you're moving from that launch, um, It seems like it was almost a matter of identifying like, okay, when you kind of made the transition from full time to client work or the transition from client work to products, um, that was like more of a roadblock um, where it's like, okay, this is something that like, I definitely don't want to continue to do. Um, Whereas like, I'm sure that this launch was like equally as challenging. Um, But it's like more of a speed bump where it's like, okay, I'm like still on this path. Um, but I'm going to kind of continue to, like, push through that rather than kind of, like, transition out of it.
0: Yeah, that that's a great way of putting it. And it definitely feels like that as well. Um, like you said, that was just a roadblock. And I got over it. Whereas with this process, like, you're on this really long path. And you know that it's going to get really smooth at the end. But, like here are all the speed bumps that you need to go over, uh, that you need to come over first before you get to the smooth part. Um, and like, it's it's really, I'm not gonna lie, it's really hard to stay positive while going through these speed bumps. Um, but it's just a matter of constantly revisiting the end goal that you have in mind, the end goal that you're working towards if you want to like stay positive and get through those speed bumps successfully.
1: Yeah. And so my next question was going to be kind of like, how do you tell the difference between like, which one is a roadblock and which one is a speed bump? But it seems like kind of connecting to that, like longer term goal is like the answer to that basically.
0: Yeah. Because like the speed bumps, like I know that these are speed bumps because at the end of it, that's, there's still something that I want to do. Um, It's just a matter of getting to there. Um, So for example, the client work versus product, I didn't want to do client work anymore. So it was just like, you know what? Let's get rid of this altogether. But now I know that I want to sell products for a living and I want to sell trainings and educational things for a living. And it's just a matter of getting there. And if I have to go through hundreds of speed bumps I'm still getting there. No one's stopping Mm -hmm.
1: me. Awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. And I mean, I'm definitely excited to see kind of how the series evolves and then how kind of um, the product business evolves as well. Yeah. Um, So I just had kind of like a couple more slightly unrelated questions. Um, Since you are kind of like a Facebook and social media expert, I mean, I think it makes sense to kind of ask some stuff about that. So how did you um, kind of... Go towards Facebook specifically. Like why was that the niche that you chose rather than like any other platform?
0: Yeah, so when I started um, super spicy media, I was doing social media in general. So Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, everything. And then, um I discovered that most of my clients wanted to do Facebook only. And moving forward from that, most of my clients wanted to focus on Facebook advertising only. So there was a really deep need for Facebook advertising that came from my clients or prospects when I talked to prospects. And that's essentially how I decided to move in that direction. So it was like data-based um, because I was talking to my clients, I was talking to my prospects and I I saw that uh, another thing that I was... Um, that essentially led to this as well was it's a lot more tangible. So Facebook advertising, I can directly say, so we have spent this amount of money and this is how, my, how many sales we've got. Whereas, for example, if I was doing content for their Facebook page, I couldn't make that direct correlation between here's what we posted and here's, here are the results of that uh, because it's the longer game that you play. So it was also like convenient for me to do Facebook ads because I could directly say like this is how Facebook ads impacted your sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was twofold: one, just there was a lot of need, and two, um, like I love data; I'm a data nerd. So Facebook <laughs> ads, kind of, it was a natural transition for yeah, me. Yeah,
1: that makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, and so then. Since there's a lot of folks uh, that listen to this that are either like building software or courses um, or freelance businesses or things like that, um, when would be kind of the time for them to start thinking about using like paid social media?
0: So what I would recommend is to create a Facebook advertising account immediately, even if they don't plan on using Facebook ads in the next two months or three months. Um, but I would still create a Facebook advertising account and implement a Facebook pixel to their page because Facebook pixel in the background will collect all of that retargeting information that they could use moving forward. Even if they decide after three months that they want to start doing Facebook ads, then um, they'll they'll have all of that data and they would be able to use that data. Um, what like I always recommend to invest in Facebook ads as soon as possible even if that means spending let's say a dollar or two dollars here and there for uh, generating traction to your web page just playing around with it um, because once you get to a point where you're like I want to increase my budget now and maybe start doing conversion ads where um, I'm trying where the objective is to generate purchases you're going to have a lot more knowledge about Facebook advertising, if you start early by investing, like I said, a dollar here and there. Um, so I would do it as fast as possible, um, playing around with maybe traffic ads, boosting a post on your Facebook ads uh, on your Facebook page, and then maybe diving more into that as you move forward. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so even if it is someone that like maybe doesn't have like a huge marketing or advertising budget, um, just kind of setting a tiny bit aside to experiment, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like a coffee or two a week, um, just spending that for Facebook ads can go a really, really long way.
1: Great. Um, and then you had kind of mentioned recently that you like almost accidentally got some traction on just like a random TikTok post. Um, do you see that as like a valid like marketing platform kind of going forward?
0: <sighs> TikTok is so intriguing I (laughs) still I don't understand it um so I read like a medium post on TikTok about how someone posted a couple of videos I think it was like banana and a toast and I don't even like I couldn't find their profile um but they mentioned like how they got thousands and thousands of views and likes and followers and I was like this cannot be true um, and then I started reading more about that and how their algorithm is so in, in just insane and how like it just works in, totally different that Facebook does. For example, when you publish a post, you don't need to be friends with people in order for that post to get shown to other people. Um, so I started with zero followers. I didn't share the post with anyone. I didn't even tell anyone that I'm experimenting with TikTok. I just published something completely randomly. It wasn't even as produced as as some of the TikTok videos are. But because of their weird algorithm that I still don't understand, I got 7,000 views on that video, 300 likes. uh, And I think about like until today, it was like 15 followers. And I don't even know any of those people. (laughs) Um, So as a marketing strategy, I do think that like, maybe you don't, I mean, there's a lot of social media out there, like you have Facebook, you have Twitter, and those are all valid channels that have been around for years. So maybe focus on them first. However, even if you don't start creating content for TikTok right now, I still recommend downloading it and just browsing through it every once in a while in order to learn more about it. So if when it does become more, more and more popular, even now, like 1 billion people use it. But when it becomes even more popular, and when they introduce, I don't know, let's say some new advertising options for you, you already know what to produce. If you Mm -hmm. have the time now, so if you have the time, the capacity uh, to play around with it, I would definitely recommend it. It's so weird. I love it. Um, It's addictive as well. um, But it's like I said, their algorithm is out of this world. It's nothing in like nothing similar to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, but it genuinely, like, they work, they, they want the engagement. They want people to engage with your video and they put it out there no matter what it is. Um, like, even when I opened TikTok, um, I saw people from Slovenia, and it's such a small market, but I saw people from Slovenia having, like, 100, 200 200k likes on a stupid video on tiktok i was like yeah i have to i have to look into that and it's so crazy i recommend downloading it and just browsing through it and at first you're like this is so weird it's like something that i've never seen before but then after a while like you really start getting it uh, maybe a fun fact i even read an article online about their algorithm. And there was a woman and her boss, and they were kind of um, discussing their TikTok strategy online. And she mentioned uh, something along the lines of, yeah, you know, that content that we see on TikTok about, I don't know, speaking from the top of my head, like bears and cats. And his boss was, uh, her boss was like, um, what are you talking about? All I see is like the ping pong balls and the cups. So their algorithm is so incredibly interesting and powerful, like two people, like you won't have the same feed. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have the same feed as, for example, my husband. So um, it's just intriguing and very interesting to look into. I would definitely recommend it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I agree that it's like it may like be nothing, but like for right now, it's like super interesting. Um, and it's like a really unique platform. It, it almost reminds me of like the very early days of the web um, when people were just like kind of trying like random, interesting, like super creative things. Um And so definitely kind of interested to see how it develops.
0: And like you said, it's so creative. People are like, you have so many different formats on there. Um The format that I use, which is like not even very popular, is very like Instagram story format. So it wasn't like, it wasn't comedy. It wasn't like special effects, anything like that. Um, but like you have a lot of comedy on there. You have like people who dance, people who sing, people who lip sync. Um, so it's just people being very creative. Um, and I don't know why, but it just works for some reason. Mm -hmm. It works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. It'll definitely be exciting to kind of see what happens.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And so then to kind of wrap things up, I'm curious, kind of how do you define latitude in your life and your business?
0: I think I'm still I I think I'm still figuring it out as I as I go forward, because like, as you know, I've made a lot of drastic changes over the past. So uh, first, I was employed, started my own business then I went from social media to Facebook ads and then from Facebook ads client work. Now I want to do educational products. So I think it's still, I think I still have a lot of time to figure it out. Uh, And it's all just a matter of A-B testing and seeing where my path takes me.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for folks that kind of want to learn more about what you're doing. um, Where should they go to check out some of your work?
0: So um, a lot of my work can be accessed on superspicymedia.com. Um, that's essentially where a lot of my blog posts are hosted. Um, a lot of my products are on there as well. If they're interested about the course, they can visit the thescienceoffacebookads.com and learn more about it there. But um, if they want to get like a personal advice or just, someone that hears them out, for example, they're going through the same process that I am, they're experiencing the same emotional toll of this process that I am, um, I would be more than happy if they would reach out to me at moitsa superspicymedia.com, write me an email. Um, I respond to each and every one of them. I've gotten a lot of um, fantastic emails in the past couple of months from the Changing Gear series of people who are just experiencing the same issues that I'm going through and they could finally resonate. Like They were looking at that content and saying, wow, no one talks about this. And it's so fun to see someone going through the same process. So if they need just like, a shoulder to cry on or someone (laughs) to listen to them, um, I'm here. So
1: awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely appreciate kind of how open and honest you've been going through that process and creating that series.
0: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. So here's how latitude works. It's the full interview you just finished listening to. Then next time, I'll break down some of the topics and themes we just discussed. This short, focused, and extremely actionable episode goes even deeper into some of what we've covered today. Make sure to hit subscribe to get that and other upcoming interviews. This is also the part of the show where I'm supposed to ask you to rate and review the podcast. Instead, I want to make you a little more actionable about applying some of the things we've talked about today. So send a tweet, message, email, or carrier pigeon to a friend about the one thing you learned and how you'll apply it to your business this week, or send it to me on Twitter at Zavzen. Links and more are in the show notes at createlatitude.com podcast. And I just want to remind you that you already have the tools you need to create a little more latitude in your day, your business, and your life.